So what I want you to do is chisel open your Bibles, and let's begin building our understanding. And as you do that, I'll pray. Lord, this is our last session together. We ask that you build your church today. Grow our understanding. Help us to realize what things we need to change in our life. Help us to understand the things that are most important in our lives. God, frame our viewpoint and let this study be our foundation. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to be in the book of Matthew, chapter 1. And as you probably guessed, we're talking about Joseph. And there are many facts recorded about Joseph and his life in the four Gospels. But he's only really mentioned with four different events. About Jesus' birth about the flight to Egypt, his return to Galilee, and some visits to the temple. That's all we hear of Joseph. Now, we're getting close to Christmas time, so we're going to be talking a lot about the birth of Jesus. But consistently, we gloss over poor Joseph, don't we? We read the story about Mary and how she carried this baby and it was a virgin birth and it was all this stuff but we never really take time to think about what Joseph did what he had invested and so today I'm hoping I'm going to show you something you might not have seen before but also give you an understanding of who this person was and how he did what he did we find that Joseph obeyed the Lord without question during this time. Joseph was born in Bethlehem, and he moved to Nazareth. And this is where he lived. And he was a carpenter by trade. Well, how do we know that? Well, if we look at Scripture, it will tell us. <clears throat> Matthew 13, 55 says it like this. He is talking to the folks in his hometown. And no one really puts any weight on what he's saying because they know him. Now, think about it for a minute. How many of you grew up with a sibling? Yeah? Suppose that sibling turned to you now and said that he was the son or daughter of God. Would you buy that? Wait a minute. I grew up with you. I know. That's sort of what it was like. They say, is this not the carpenter's son? Jesus, aren't you the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers James, Joseph, which is a shortened form of the word uh, Joseph, so like Joseph Jr., Simon, and Judas. But what I want to focus on is the word carpenter. It says he was a carpenter. Look, from Sunday school down in junior church, when you were little, you heard that Joseph was a carpenter. So what's in your mind? He is sawing wood and he's hammering things. But if you know much, and I, I look, you guys are here on a Sunday morning in Sunday school. 
You are smarter than the average bear. You know a lot of this stuff. So you know that there's not a lot of trees in Israel. But what there is a lot of is stone. Now, there are some trees because, believe it or not, they didn't make stone boats. They tried. <laughs> didn't work out so great. So there was trees. So there was carpentry. There was woodworking. But the word used here in carpenter is actually come from the root techne or skill or trade. So it was a skilled or a tradesman. But the specific word that's used here is this word right here, tecton. And tecton is a builder or a carpenter. It does not mean that he was exclusively a woodworker or a mason or any of the other skills. He wasn't just a roofer or a framer. He did it all. He was basically buddy. Does everything, right? When you think about Joseph, you think about a person that really can do anything with their hands. What kind of people are they? For one, they're very smart. I mean, if I get a board, anybody ever go to Lowe's to pick out boards? Yeah? They're perfect if you're building canoes. Because they curve and they do this and, you know. And my dad sometimes will tell me, hey, can you pick me up a couple two-by-fours? Because I have the truck, right? No problem, Dad. I bring him home, and he says, are you building a slip and slide or a sliding board? Because they just turn every which way. A builder has a good eye for things like that. person like me, not so much. I had to explain to Pastor Dave that this was a hammer. So you feel. You feel what I'm saying. <clears throat> Last week, I told you that you need to put your feet in the shoes of the people in the Bible, or their sandals. Or, for this lesson, their boots. And their tool belt. So there's not much in Scripture about Joseph, per se, but you can see what he taught Jesus from who he was as a person. What was his job? What was his job as a builder? What did they do? Buddy, what are 90% of the calls you get for? Roofing. Do these people not have roofs? That call you? Yeah, that's it. They have a roof. And there's something wrong with it. So something is broken, it needs... That's Joseph. If I find something that's broken, I'm going to fix it. That kind of comes with the territory with guys, which is why we make terrible counselors. Because sometimes uh, the ladies just need to know that we're hearing them, right? It ever happened to you? You're just trying to explain what you're going through, and the guy's trying to fix it. You know, it was just so hard. I, I couldn't find my keys. Well, you know, if you put your keys right there in the morning, you'll, then you get the stare. Yeah? You know about the stare? Yeah. Exactly. We try to fix things. His job was to mend what was broken. Sometimes it's a wall. Sometimes it's a relationship. His job was also to build what was needed. <clears throat> Sometimes 
is a boat. And sometimes it's a bridge that'll help you to get from one place to another. This is who Joseph is. And when you read the Christmas account, you kind of go, Joseph, who was betrothed to Mary, and then right over it. No thinking about this was a real person with real thoughts and fears and, and worries and, and gifts and skills. His job was also to remove rot and decay. Anybody that's ever worked on a deck or a house has gone underneath to look and seen where the, the uh, wood's starting to deteriorate and it kind of flakes away. Yeah, that's rot. If you don't get that out of there, what happens? It'll spread. So you've got to do what with that? You've got to get that out of there. That's Joseph. Joseph, his job was to remove rot and decay and then replace it with something new. And in most cases, something better. Because if any of you have an old house, the stuff that they used was not uh, made at Lowe's. It wasn't made in a factory. It was created most likely on the spot. And so it was not perfect. And so there are more opportunities for things to break down. Now, when you replace those things, do you go out and cut down a tree and shave off a piece of a log to stick back in there? No way. You get pressure treated, you know, class four, all these different things, and that's what you're replacing it with, right? Yeah, it might not fit. That's what these are for. Oh, it has. It has. Yes. Yeah. Watch, I'll show you. Sometimes, <clears throat> sometimes when I'm on the couch and I can't reach my nachos, I just pull that right over. Good to go. So, yep, I use it. So can you guys see it? Can you see the parallels here? Do you see what Joseph's role is and who Jesus is? We only have a few verses about Joseph, but we see that God chose Mary, but God also chose Jesus. Joseph. He chose Jesus, but he chose Joseph. All right, let's take our Bibles, go to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Let's see if we can get into this. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When, as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. I want to talk real briefly about the espoused and came together, in case you're not as familiar with the story. Espoused does not mean engaged. Our lifestyle, our world, sees engagement as, will you? You went to Jared, so absolutely, right? That's what we see engagement as. What this is is really full-on marriage. You're married. One little difference. 
you are not sleeping or consummating with your spouse, okay? So you're totally married, just abstaining from sex until uh, basically the first year, okay? And, and that's when the man would come back and take his wife after he builds a home. That was a sermon I did a few years ago, but uh, that kind of lays out why the espoused is so important. Absolutely married, okay? Before they ever came together as husband and wife, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. He came back to see her, and she's pregnant. Then Joseph, her husband being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. How would you feel? Put yourself in Joseph's shoes. You have this, this girl who you really love, and, and you are basically married. You have to go home and build a home. And when that home is ready and built, now you can come back and take this woman into your home and consummate the marriage, and it's all official and all that. You come back to see her, and she's pregnant. How do you feel? What kind of emotions did Joseph feel? He's a human, guys. He's like you and me. How would you guys feel? Betrayed? What else? Anger? Yeah, that's probably what he said. Exactly. He was angry. He was hurt. You think he was depressed? You think he ran through his mind? Why, why wasn't I good enough? Why couldn't she wait for me? What's wrong with me? I mean, I can build anything, but I can't fix this. I don't know what to do. If he goes and makes it public, the penalty, because they were fully married... This was adultery. The penalty is stoning. They kill her. He was in his right to throw the book or the rock at her. But instead, he chose to show her mercy. Why? He loved her. When you love someone, what is it that you're exhibiting that shows mercy? Yeah, compassion. This man, this tough man's man that can build houses and ships and walls and stone masonry and roofs and all those things, had also within him mercy and compassion. Does that sound like anybody you know? who's really super tough, that can handle anything, but yet still loves somebody so much that no matter how bad they sin against him, he will still not condemn them, but provide them mercy because of his compassion. Do you see why God chose Joseph? He's a compassionate builder, Full of mercy. Verse 20. But while he thought on these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, 
Thou son of David, fear not to take thee, Mary, as a wife, for which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for she shall save his people from their sins. God could have easily let Joseph leave. He was, he was going to put her away quietly. He didn't want her to die, right? He still had compassion and mercy, but he didn't want to marry her. I mean, come on. Would you really want to marry somebody and raise someone else's kid? Maybe you guys would because you're Christians. But in this day and age, no way. But God knew Joseph's character. And he knew what his baby son would need to see exhibited every single day. And so God sent an angel to Joseph so that he could take his place on earth. Do you get that? Jesus came to earth as a baby, but I'm here to tell you today that God came to earth in a reflection of Joseph. Does that make sense? God found the perfect man who exhibited the same qualities as God and said, that's the guy I want to raise my son. And that's how we got Joseph. You don't see that when you go through that Christmas story like this. You don't get it. <clears throat> Raising a child is important work. And you would want to pick the most qualified person. If you were building something, you want to pick the most qualified builder. Right? That's what you, that's what you would do in your home. You wouldn't do what we do sometimes in the government. I don't remember what movie it was, but it was a movie about space. Uh, and they're sitting on a rocket ship, you know, getting ready to be blasted off like Apollo 11 or something like that. And the one guy looks at the other one and says, you do realize we're sitting on like 400,000 gallons of jet fuel built by the lowest bidder. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's how we do things. So you wouldn't just pick the lowest bidder. You want the highest quality, right? Exactly. So that's exactly what God did here. He says, I need high quality. There are hundreds of people better than me <clears throat> to raise a child. I mean, you take a look at Hannah. I'm just kidding. No, she's perfect. She's perfect. That's all her mom. She fixes what I break. But God saw Joseph's work and his heart. And he came down and he said, Joseph, will you please be my son's stepfather? Now, he didn't say it word for word, but in that dream, that's what he's saying. That's what he's asking Joseph to do. Take her as your wife still. There's a movie a few years ago called Stepmom, where a woman is dying from cancer and She's divorced from her husband. Her husband is getting remarried. And 
she gets this, this new wife and says, please, please be my children's mom because I'm not going to be here. You see, when God couldn't be here physically, he needed someone to be there physically. Does that make sense? You see, when God's not here physically, he needs someone to be here physically. I, hold on a second. Let me see if I can do this. Are those working? Hold on a second. Okay. When God can't be here physically, he needs someone to be here physically. Amen? That is why we're here. And that's why God had Joseph. Joseph was up to the challenge and he agreed. But look at the timeline. Joseph and Mary were engaged. And then after several months, he come back, comes back and he finds her. And then he marries her. And then time passes. How much time? Well, she was obviously pregnant, which is kind of interesting because the pregnancy back then is a little easier to hide because they wear big flowing garments. But Joseph knew. So he would have had to have seen something. So a little bit of time passes, and the request for a census comes out. And if you take your Bible and go to Luke chapter 2, We'll see how much of this I can get through. <clears throat> Luke chapter 2, <clears throat> verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Now, when he's talking about all the world, he's talking about this. This is basically the Roman Empire at that time. All of these people will be registered, will be a census. And we're focusing on this tiny little piece right here. All the world should be registered. This census first took place when Quirinius was governing Syria. Now, um, Quirinius... He came to power uh, at one, one time, and then Herod died at a different time. So uh, scholars will look at that and say, Jesus' birthday is not the year zero. It's most likely 5 to 6 B.C., based upon this information, okay? Hopefully that's not new news. If it is, we'll talk later. Um, but... All went up to be registered, everyone to his own city. And then Joseph also went up from Galilee. So we see here's Nazareth in Galilee. And he is going up because Bethlehem is actually on top of a mountain. He went up from Galilee. Out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. <clears throat> now, the word where it says um, when this census first took place, this is the Greek word protos. This doesn't mean that it's, it, this is the first uh, uh, time that Quirinius did 
the, the census, this could mean that this was the census before him because of the word proto. And Mary was not required to travel. It wasn't something that had to happen. The male, the man, had to come and report his people, but not everybody who was uh, you know, sick or injured had the ability to travel, so they were exempt from it. Mary, obviously, at this point, she's very pregnant, and so she wasn't required, but she went. Why? Did you ever think about that? What's the option? If she doesn't go, what does she do? She stays home, has a baby, maybe by herself. They don't really know when this is going to happen, right? But who's with her at home? In, in the town. All the peoples, right? And they know that, that's her right there. That's the one. That's the one. You think she wants to be around that? No way. I, I don't want to be around that. So she goes with Joseph. And she makes the trip. And that trip, as you can see, from Jerusalem to Bethlehem is pretty small, right? Not very long. Not a big deal. <laughs> Only they were in Nazareth. Much longer. 80 miles, actually. The trip was roughly 80 miles, and which is a, about a four-day walk, if you're walking at a good pace. Um, ever take a trip with a pregnant woman? Yeah. That's not a normal pace. Every so often, what do you do? Potty break. That's right. Now, I'm going to show you something, I hope, that will be evident to you. And, and after you see it, you'll go, yeah. They're going to Bethlehem with a pregnant lady who's stopping every five miles, I don't know, 20 miles, how often you have to stop. And the whole time, Joseph's going, <clears throat> seriously, Mary? We just stopped like five miles ago. Everybody's passing us. At this rate, by the time we get to town, there's not even going to be a room. Make sense? Yeah. Now it makes sense. It wasn't an accident that there wasn't going to be a room. It was designed by God for it to happen that way. Isn't that crazy? I love the Bible. It's so cool. It makes sense. There's not a lot of rooms. Um, <clears throat> I want to show you something. There's a, a town called Sturgis. Anybody know what that is? Motorcycle people. It's a town. They have a, a big bike week when all motorcycle people come Bikers come from around the United States and actually the world to visit during Bike Week. Population of Sturgis, 6,600 people. Population during Bike Week, 739,000 people. You think there's a long line to your bathroom. <laughs> this is what's going on in Bethlehem. Normally, not a big deal. But when everybody, and literally their brother, comes, there are no rooms. It is so hard. <clears throat> Verse 6, so it was while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. Remember, there's no sonograms for due dates. 
Joseph didn't know when this baby was actually going to come. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. That room, the word inn is the word katalima. And that word katalima is the same word that Jesus uses when he says, hey, can you find us a room for the Passover? You know the upper room? Katalima. Same word. So it's not an inn like the Marriott. It's a room in a relative's house. That's where they were going. Too many relatives already there. So look at how my God works, how he transforms. He transforms hopelessness into happiness. He's a builder. He transforms desperation into deliverance. He turned what was thought to be adultery into adoration. He turned sin into salvation. And he turned a manger into a cradle. And my God turned a savior into a friend. See, Joseph set up shop in Bethlehem. And he lived there for a little while. And it probably wasn't such a great uh, business starting out. And the reason we know this is in Luke chapter 2, verse 21, uh, they've got to take baby Jesus to the temple to have him circumcised and to, um, for, for Mary to give an offering. And uh, it says, When eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus. Uh, which so named the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him into Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And as it is written, the law of the Lord, that every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer sacrifice that which is said to the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. <coughs> This comes from Leviticus 12.8. And it says, if she's not able to bring a lamb, it's supposed to be a lamb for the burnt offering and uh, pigeons or turtle doves for the sin offering. And if she can't bring that, if she can't bring a lamb, then she can bring two turtles or two pigeons um, uh, for the offering. One is for the burnt offering, one's for the sin offering. So if they can't, if they can't afford it, they can just bring two birds and use one for the burnt offering, one for the sin offering. This shows us that they were poor. They lived there in a, it was a rough situation. So you're thinking, this is the son of God. He's going to have everything. I mean, he's got all kinds of stuff. He, he's got a uh, brand new iPad. He's got the iPhone X, V-I-I-I, Roman numerals. Uh, he's got everything. No, no, look. They were struggling. God had his son living with a stepdad and his mom, and they were struggling day to day. Anybody here struggle day to day? Yeah. So why do we feel that God should make it better for us just because we come to church and we're Christians, knowing that they had it rough? But they don't have it rough forever. Because in a little while, some visitors are going to come. They're going to drop gold on them. 
and myrrh and frankenberries. Joseph always listened and obeyed the word of God. We're, we're just about done. He ran to Egypt, and he came back from Egypt. He listened to the word of God. God said, get to Egypt, and he got to Egypt. And God said, come back from Egypt, and he came back from Egypt. Are you listening to the word of God? Are you listening to what he's saying to you? Joseph was a true man of God, but we often forget about him. He gets lost in the, everything that is the Christmas story. And we don't hear about Joseph after Jesus uh, was in the temple about the age of 12. We don't hear about Joseph anymore. And most likely he's dead here because this was an arranged marriage. The man would be much older than the woman because the man had to have a nest egg, a home, uh, a business, yeah, some kind of money set aside to take care of the young girl. The young girl, most of them got married right after puberty. So could, she could be 15, 16 years old. So if Jesus is 12, we would expect Mary when she was 16. So this guy, he's probably 45, maybe even 50. And he died. But we see a glimpse that Joseph wouldn't be there all the time when they bring Jesus to the temple for the first time. And I'm, I'm going to close out with this part. Um, Simon sees baby, Joseph, or baby Jesus, and he leans in, and he says, oh, I've seen the Savior of the world. He says, this, this baby is destined for so much. But look what he says. It says, the mother and father marveled, marveled at the things he said. And Joseph and his mother marveled at the things which were spoken of him. And Simon, or Simeon <coughs> blessed them and said unto Mary his mother. Who did he say it to? Mary. He said, Behold, this child is set for the fall and the rising again of many in Israel for a sign which will be spoken against. Yea, our sword shall pierce through what? Not you's guys. Not y'all's. Not you two's, but yours, Mary. It's going to pierce your soul. And we can look at this and we can say, that's because Joseph's gone, right? Does that make sense? Will you bow your heads and close your eyes for me? I know we've went a little bit long, but I think it was worth it. God, as we close out this series on Outrageous Couples, Help us to take the traits, the good traits of the people that you've shown us and apply them to our relationships. God, and help us be aware of the bad traits of the people that we've seen. Help us to be aware when that tries to creep in. But God, make us a little bit more like Joseph. Let us be humble, compassionate, merciful. And God, let us be your hands and feet here on earth, now and until you return. In Jesus' name, all of God's people said,